so many great companies are built in recessions. And, and part of it's because it thins out the crowd. Part of it's because it's actually easier to break through right now. Like this is a great time to invest in marketing because it's easier to get your message across. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have Bill Bice. Bill, how are you doing today? I, I am doing great. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining me. A little bit about Bill. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur since 14, and he was uh, helping do like road races, which is crazy. Um, he's just passionate about enabling smaller businesses to more successfully compete with their larger competitors through effective marketing. Through the years, Bill has built and invested in over 25 companies, but he kept finding the same flaws in marketing strategies. So a programmer at heart, he became, or he founded Boomtime, a company that tackles marketing as a technology problem. And I'll let Bill kind of talk through some of these businesses, some of the strategies, some of the mistakes, all that kind of stuff. And then what really boom time is all about, why, why he started that business. So, so Bill, can you start us off with just a little bit more about your background? I, I, I mentioned the shortened version, obviously. There's a lot more here. So give us a little bit more about your background and why our listeners should pay attention to you. Uh, well, I'm not totally sure you, you should because I've made a ton of mistakes, but maybe <laughs> some of those. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like I've made enough that I like, I like helping business owners and entrepreneurs at least make new mistakes as opposed to do the same stuff I've already done. You know, I, I feel like I was born an entrepreneur. Um, you, you mentioned I, I started a, a small business when I was, I was getting bored in high school. So I would jump over the fence and, and landed in this little strip mall that was right there and and there was a local family that had built a, sort of a sporting's good empire with uh, three stores in this one little strip mall. And, and that got me exposure to small business at a very, very early age. The, the husband and wife team of, of that business helped me get going in, you know, in my first business, which was putting on marathons and five days and five K's and 10 K's. And, and that was a great early education in, in business. And I turned that into doing computer consulting for a lot of local companies, which led to creating a software company when I was 18. And, uh, you know, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I was 18, so I thought I knew it all. <laughs> and, and therefore, it took me a long time to figure out how to build that company. But, but eventually, we figured it out and became the largest in our niche and got a really nice hmm. exit selling that company to, uh, to Thomson Reuters. That's what made it possible for me to go out and start several more companies and, and invest in a, in a whole series of them. Interesting. Um, and, and when you, so you started that company, as you, you said, invest in a bunch of them. Have you built most of the companies from the ground up? Has it been an acquiring strategy? How have you, have you gone about that with your other businesses? Yeah, so I really just did my first acquisition of an established company uh, just this past December, mm. which, so, so most of the things I've worked on have been a startup from ground up. And 
you know, it turns out that's really difficult. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the challenges with that first company, even though it took 15 years to build it, you know, the, the last five years, we had a 78% CAGR over that time period. So we we're almost doubling every year. We ended up on the Inc. 500 for, for three years in a row. Mm. So it was a great ride. Um, selling that company got me on the management team of a $2 billion division of a much larger company. So I went from you know, my 120 employees to be part of, being part of this management team that had, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of employees. And, and all of that was just a, just an amazing education. But the, the thing that was most crazy about that is I was really expecting this like amazing sophistication when I got to be part of, of this, you know, large international business. But it, honestly, it was run just like my little company. Just there was a lot more zeros after. It was just, you know, it was, it was the same discussions, the same craziness. And, and so I learned a lot about business by, by going through that. And, and I really learned that I much preferred doing it for myself, right? I went and created a new division within that company, which was a, a very different kind of experience. We don't really get the reward for creating that success like you do when, when you build it yourself. So most of it has been startups and, and, and really out of that came this experience that how good you are at marketing really, it really determines the, how much result you get out of all this hard work of whatever it is you build, whatever product service offering you have, how good you are at taking the market really determines the payoff that you get. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting that I, and it's the same in my business when i look at the difference between a you know 20 unit apartment building to a 100 unit apartment building to a you know 1000 unit apartment building it's all basically the same right you think oh it's going to be these big differences no it's the same so just interesting to hear you say the same thing about business um talk about boom time uh, what you know what is it what are you trying to do uh, you know, how are you helping people uh, solve a problem? Well, so marketing is this like crazy discipline that just avoids attempts at scale and efficiency. And it's, it's not something that we're really willing to accept in any other area of our business. And, and so that, that's why I found it so interesting to tackle. I mean, you, you go into marketing because you don't know what people, you don't know what, you don't want people to understand what you do. Like it's a, it's almost a way to hide. And, and there's just something wrong with that, that we've allowed that to, to continue for so long in business. And yet, in some ways, marketing has become so complicated and so sophisticated now that, that if you don't get really good at it as a smaller player in the market, it, it becomes really difficult to compete. So I think it's a really interesting problem to solve. And, and it requires a combination of both automation and the right expertise you know, there's a lot of great technology out there, all kinds of marketing automation stuff, but, but then do you have the, the time and the resources to actually put it in place? And you know, a lot of business owners just don't have the desire to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so our unique approach was to put both of those things together, build the platform plus deliver the expertise and, and really give the end results. So you're, you're, not, you're not just buying a bunch of tools that never, you know, never get used. Got it. What, uh, you know, through these businesses and through your current, uh, what you're doing currently, give us some, uh, some success tips, you know, what have you seen that has been attributed to your success? So give us, 
maybe three success tips that you really think are the go-to? Well, so I'll start with, with what I think is one of the most underappreciated elements of, of success in business, which, which is something you don't have much control over, which is timing. I mean, you can take the same exact team, same idea, same market, and just change your time to market, and you get a dramatically different result. So I think a key to success in business is, is having the persistence to stay in the game long enough. You know, you work really hard to then get what seems like, like luck. And, and it is in the sense that you don't really control the timing. But yet if you stay after it, you stay at it long enough that eventually the, the timing lines up with, uh, with the opportunity that you're creating. And, and I, think, I think that element is just so underappreciated. I mean, we look at, say, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. You know, I, I've, most of the things I've done have, are in tech, and so you tend to follow entrepreneurs like that. Yeah. And yet, if they weren't born exactly when they were, and didn't happen to both go to schools that had computers at a time period when the vast majority didn't and didn't get that early exposure and didn't see the opportunity. I'm sure they would have been successful, right? Cause they were very driven, intelligent people, mm-hmm. but without that just perfect lineup of opportunities in front of them, we wouldn't be talking about them because all the things necessary wouldn't have happened. The, the timing was just perfect for Bill Gates to be Bill Gates. Was there anything we can do other than just being born at the right time or just lucking into our business at the right time to, to hit the timing? Or is it just what you said? Persistence. Well, it's why, it's why I focus on, on persistence because I think it, I think it's, it's so easy to say, Oh, I, I tried that and I tried really hard for a year and it didn't work. Sure. And, and yet so many of the things that I have worked on that have been successful it took a lot longer than, than I was expecting. And a big part of that was the timing component. It's so easy to be too early or too late. You have to stick with it long enough for it to, for it to work out. Uh, and I want to say something there, because you just said too early, right? And we be persistent and we push on and eventually you'll catch it. But how about too late? Like, how do you know that you're too late versus too early and time to like pull this plug because we are too late um maybe we should just either fold our business or sell it or you know move in a different direction pivot right yeah. make, make a significant change in the business and, yeah. and and i think the only way to do that is for the ceo the founder to be on the front line initially because mm. if you if you outsource the sales even, even if you have a you bring in a really great salesperson you're always going to question, are they not getting the sales because they aren't good enough? Or is it because you really don't have the right product market fit? Mm. The only person who can truly make all the changes in the business necessary, uh, you know, what, whatever the product is, the price, the audience, the only person who can really do that is the founding team. Yep. And therefore, you have to be as the founder out in the market doing those early iterations in order to figure out whether you've got the fit right or not. And if you're too late, then, then you're going to get that customer feedback and you pivot. The hard part, frankly, is, is understanding, is it too early or too late? Those can, those can seem very similar right. in terms of the, the customer feedback. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of the lean startup approach. And this iterative approach gives you the data to understand whether you're hitting the market right or not. 
but the biggest mistake I see over and over again, and because I've made it and, and I've worked with entrepreneurs who, who've made it, is if you're not doing it yourself, if you're not on the front line, you're just not going to make the decisions fast enough to, to take advantage of what, whatever opportunity you find. Sure. Sure. So along with timing, uh, obviously being persistent in it, what, what else do you see um, to attribute to your success or other successes that you see out there? Well, I think there's a, another problem that goes with that, which is, which is trying to scale too early. So you go out there and you do it yourself and you, you fix all those problems, right? You really get it to match and you get early success and you get customers signed up, you get revenue coming in. It is very tempting to immediately scale up and jump to the next level. But until you've really made that a reproducible process, and I think this applies to no matter what your business is, until you've really made it a blueprint that you can, that you can copy and execute over and over again, you're not really ready to scale. And in so many great businesses that really have nailed everything else, then create failure by trying to go, go too fast. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that hear that quite a bit. You know, that business that catch fire and then all of a sudden they're they're truly on fire and the ships are the sails are burning and the ship is burning and, and all of a sudden before you know it, you're like, Whoa, that company was just there and now it's gone. Like what what happened? They were doing they they seem like they were doing so well. Well very well could be that they just tried to grow much too quick and didn't have that blueprint, as you mentioned. And, you know, you can get overextended. I mean, that's happening to a ton of, a ton of yeah. companies right now in this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, th- what do you think about that? Um, you know, with, with what's going on right now with COVID uh, and the shutdowns and obviously businesses are suffering. Um, what do you think about, you know, debt structuring and, and uh, you know, whatever, the, you know, everything that's going on. Uh, give me your input there. Well, if you're able to survive through this, then, then you're in a position to come out much stronger. Like so many great companies are built in recessions. And, and part of it's because it thins out the crowd. Part of it's because it's actually easier to break through right now. Like this is a great time to invest in marketing because it's easier to get your message across. Mm. You're not going to increase your sales, but you're going to plant a bunch of seeds that translate into much greater sales on the recovery on the other side. But if, you, if you're in a position where you can look at the opportunity, the thing that, that the silver lining of a crisis like this is that every, every trend you've been looking at in your industry, whatever business you're working on, has just been dramatically sped up. I mean, we're, we're, we're all right now living through a decade in one year. And wherever you thought things were going to be at 10 years from now, it's, it's now. Yeah, yep. this and, is the paradigm shift. Yes. And every cycle like this is a paradigm shift. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, well, oh, why? No, no, this is a big paradigm shift. And it's a different paradigm shift from the last recession. And it's a different paradigm shift from the next, you know, recession. So if you can figure that out and you can understand how remote work, how everything going online, how everybody expecting whatever product or service they want to be delivered the moment they want it, Instant how that's going to change your business. Mm-hmm. If, if you can go through the transformation process right now and be prepared for that, then, then you're going to be a huge winner on the other side of this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and uh, like you said, I mean, that, that marketing right now and figuring, okay, how, how do we position our business to the, the paradigm shift, the, the trends that are changing 
and planting those seeds. And I like how you said that because a lot of companies and people think, well, I, you know, for one, I, I got to pull back, right? Because uh, I don't want to spend more money. Well, get creative. You might be able to actually up your marketing without spending that much more money. So get creative. And then you have to understand that, like you said, you're planting seeds. So just because your revenues don't change today and actually maybe even still go down, doesn't mean that they're not going to go up drastically when the shift happens. Uh, and that's what so many people forget. And that's something that I'm doing and I'm sure you're doing is we're trying to position ourselves. So when we come out of this, we come out of this stronger and not as somebody that everybody forgot about. And, and that's the danger that so many companies are going dark right now. Yeah. And that's going to create really lasting damage for, for those businesses. And, it took and yet you so we're, long to build it. Like, what are you doing? It took you so long to get your name out there and you're letting people forget about you. And, and yet what we see in the data is that marketing is working amazingly well right now because if you have a lot more engagement from a lot more people who are sitting at home on their computers, they're online, you can get to them right this second. So yeah. you know, we're, we're seeing websites with 50, 80, 100% more traffic. The average LinkedIn engagement is up 55%. Wow. The, the acceptance rate of LinkedIn connections has dramatically improved. The number of people responding to conversations on LinkedIn has, has almost doubled in campaigns that we're running right now. It's crazy how well it's working right now. Yeah, I mean, I just look, I just had a conversation with a very, very high up, uh, well, president of a, of a big REIT uh, that never would have talked to me prior to this. And it's just the engagement at level is so much more, it seems like right now. And they're willing just to take a conversation with me. Uh, so it's just amazing what you can do right now. Like you said, that engagement is there. People are willing to willing to hear, willing to listen, willing to engage with you if you're willing to put yourself out there right now. Yeah, you know, I, I was spending my life on Zoom b before this because I was already working at home. We'd already taken our company virtual. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that today when I start up a Zoom session with, with somebody for the first time, 90% of the time now they start with video on, where before it was maybe half the time, right? It's, it's already created that psychology shift. And and if, if, if whatever you do is dependent on face-to-face -face meetings, then you have to find a new way to create those opportunities. Yeah. And so although Zoom may not be as good as face-to-face, -face, Zoom is much better than being on a phone call. And yes. because of that, you can actually increase the depth of the relationship much faster because you're starting on Zoom now. You're not doing all these phone calls to then end up with travel expense to go to a face-to-face -face meeting. Yeah, and it, I find myself being so much more engaged with somebody when I've got a zoom versus a phone call, I might be walking around my house. I might be looking outside, you know, the, the squirrels are running up trees and I'm paying attention to that. And, and, but you and I were engaged. I'm looking at you in the eyes. We're, t you know, I can see when you smile, I can see when you make a weird face, like, Oh, I must, I must have piqued his interest, whatever. And so it's just so much more engaging, like you said, and, and it's, which is amazing. It's not quite face to face, but it's as close as we can get virtually. Right. Right. And, and I think you can get there a lot faster because of it, right? You can make more connections more quickly because you've got the time to do yeah. so and, and you're doing it online yeah. and, and there's going to be pent up demand 
for travel and for conferences on the other side of this, but it's never going to go back to the way it was. We, we just, there, there's way too long of a time period where this is getting new habits ingrained. So figure out now how that's going to change how you do business, because then you'll be, you'll be ahead of the curve. As an entrepreneur, as somebody going, hey, I want to start a business, I want to buy a business, or maybe I've already started or bought businesses, but I want to continue to expand wherever I'm at. Where's the opportunity? Is there opportunity to, does it make sense to go out and be looking for businesses to buy, right? You just said like a lot of these businesses are going to kind of go away. Uh, it's going to thin the herd. Should we be looking for some of these businesses that are being thinned out and taking you know, advantage of that situation. Obviously we don't want to take advantage of people, but I mean, take advantage of the, the situation and be able to buy some of these companies that we can maybe come in and improve. Does that make sense? Should we be starting our own? Like what, what do you see there? Where do you see the opportunity, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, I think there's great opportunities to buy really great companies that are going to struggle in this time period because they don't have the capitalization or they got overextended or, you know, sometimes what happens when you get a crisis like this, somebody was just at that point where, you know, they've, they've had enough and it, it just sort of is that final piece. So this is a great time to go find a business that is going to be very successful on, on the other side of this crisis. I mean, the, the company I mentioned that, that I bought in December, the reason I bought it is because it was the perfect example of the kind of business where I've seen what we do for our marketing work really well. Somebody who takes great care of their customers, generates referrals. Now all we gotta do is, is the marketing that amplifies the effect of that, creates more referrals. And, and so I bought the company so I could capture the full value of taking it to market. And, and fortunately, the, we make clean room furniture, which is uh, still very appropriate in this environment because of the explosion on the sort of pharma side, everything's going online. So semiconductor is, you know, is going to do great. So if you extend the trends you're seeing today and you see a business that's going to, that's going to leverage that, then this is going to, this is going to be an ideal time to, to go buy a company. If you have the ability to, to make it to, uh, to the other side. And that's probably the key, right? If you have the ability to make it up to the other side. So understand what's happening today. Understand how that's going to affect that business that you're buying. The trends that are coming, obviously, we go, okay, there's opportunity here. But if today we can't, we can't make it to where that becomes reality, uh, that's probably a bad position to be buying a business. Where, where, do, we, where do you find, like, the, the business that you bought, maybe you don't have to give me the source, but where do you find businesses? Somebody that wants to look for buying a business. Are there certain sources or, that are better than others? We can go to a business broker. Is that where you go? Or like, what do you do? My, my preference is actually to, to network because you get, uh, you get a more real view of the business. And so developing that relationship before it's being sold to you uh, I think has a lot of advantages. So yeah, you can definitely go to business brokers and there, there are very credible ones that are, that are good at this. Um, and if you're talking about sort of small business, main street business, there's really not enough competition where um, even though they're with a broker that you're likely to end up in a, you know, in a real beauty contest kind of, of situation. Um, so, so it's perfectly reasonable, but, but I would much prefer to be embedded in the business community 
understand those businesses and, and network there um, because I want to I want to know the history and the depth of the business if I'm going to make that investment. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, give me a uh, give me a mistake, a failure, something that you can give to our audience, something uh, something that you did that or direction or whatever, but something you've learned from. I want to know the mistake you made, and then how did you learn from it? How did you improve? Yes, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've that I've made several times was not being willing to accept mentorship and help mm. from people who've already been there and done it. So you know, this comes from that uh, you know being young and stupid and thinking I know it all. That's why it took so long to build that business. Yeah. And then because it was eventually successful, I really thought I knew what I was doing. And you know, it turns out that every time you go build a company, it's actually really difficult. And absolutely, you learn from the prior experience. But one of the amazing abilities we have as humans is to project ourselves into a future and, and understand what that's going to look like. And whatever it is you want to do, somebody's already done it. So go find three, four, or five people who've already been there, already done it. So I don't believe in the mentorship model of find the one perfect mentor. I think it's much more helpful to find a series of people who've already been there and done that. And generally my rule is, is five, whether it's five clients, five mentors, by the time you talk to five people with the experience that you're interested in, as long as you get a reasonable amount of diversification in that, you know, that market pretty, pretty darn well, whatever it is. Yeah. And it, it's interesting what you'll hear is some of it, you know, is from negative people. Um, but some of it's, if, especially if it's a credible source, the mentor that you really should be looking for they're going to open your eyes. Uh, I've had a lot of people that have just really opened my eyes to the reality of it. When I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to grab this opportunity. I'm going to go with it. And they go, well, wait a second. Now, you know, here are some things to really look out for. This could be an amazing opportunity, but we'll just make sure you understand, you know, these moving parts to it. And you go, oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even see that. And now, yeah, maybe it's still an opportunity, but it's different, right? And, and I need to slow down and I need to make sure it checks all the, truly checks all the boxes uh, yeah, so, so many times. Them. Yeah, I, th that's one of the reasons I really like having more than one mentor because yeah. if you really believe in yourself and, and you have that strong, you know, I, I can make this work no matter what. When you hear it from one person and they say, ah, well, you really got to worry about this. For me, at least, I find it easy to overcome that. Yeah. But then you get to the second person, the third person, who all have the same experience, and you hear that same problem, that finally starts to get through. You know what? That may actually be a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, that first person, you're going, yeah, whatever. You know, they're just negative. You know, they, they, they let something burn them, and, you know, they're negative about it. But when you hear it, by the, these five mentors or three mentors or whatever it is. And they kind of say, Hey, check this out before you get going. Oh, okay. Now, now I got something here. Um, what's a, you know, what's a, what's a favorite uh, book that you can give to our listeners? You know, a, a book that I think is really appropriate for the kind of things we've been talking about here is, is Simon Sinek's new book. I've always loved his work. You know, his, his work on, on Start With The Why has been very instrumental in, in how I've always uh, thought about business. 
I really love the book you came out with last year, The Infinite Game, because it really talks about doing business for for the, the right reasons. Like we have we have this amazing tool in capitalism that has created more good than than any other thing we've ever come up with in the history of, of mankind. And and he really talks about how you can leverage that and make that happen by playing the infinite game, uh, which is, is really more compelling for all of us. We all want to be part of something bigger. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, what's, what's your, like, what's the plan? What's the plan going forward? Where do you see yourself in the next, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever that vision board says, uh, where do you see yourself going, your company going? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky to be getting to do exactly what I want to do right now. So yeah. I, I don't have any big changes to that because I, I get to work with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing really amazing and compelling things. I get yeah. to work with business owners all over the country, helping them grow. I just want to keep doing that. Like, it's what I love. It's why I'm doing it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I got one last question before I wrap up. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? So the, I, I, I'm going to narrow it down to, to one key element, which is um, investing in things that make money without you having to do the work is absolutely the key, right? So it's, it's, it's the, when you do real estate investing well, which, which I, I have some, it works really well. I actually prefer the operating business approach. So I'd rather buy a business that is working well and has really good cash flow uh, and, and bring in a manager to run that. That to me is the ideal investment um, because the place you really want to be is, is where your, your money is, is, is making your core cash flow for you because then you get to do whatever you want, right? It gives me the, the freedom to, to work on the, the businesses that are really compelling to me because I have this base that, that just does really well on its, on its own. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, well, Bill, look, I really appreciate uh, your time and the value you've been able to give. How can our listeners learn more about, you know, kind of what you've got going on, uh, get to know you and, uh, and learn more about you? Yeah, so you can reach out to me at CEO at boomtime.com. Our, our website, of course, is at boomtime.com. You can find me on LinkedIn where, where I talk about uh, all, all of the things that we do from a marketing standpoint. You know, the, the best marketing is giving your expertise away for free, and that's exactly, exactly what we do. Yeah. Final parting words. What do you want to leave our listeners with? The, uh, the, the key... Uh, I want to circle back to marketing for just a second. The key to great marketing is don't talk about yourself and be consistent. Like it's the two mistakes I see over and over again. And so if you just choose to change those two things, the investment you'll get back on your marketing will, you'll, you'll, you'll actually get an ROI in your marketing. Like that's the biggest problem with marketing is all the things you've done in the past that haven't worked. It is very reasonable to actually get a really good return on your marketing. If you just fix those two core mistakes that I see over and over again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Bill, appreciate it. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show and uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. Hey, thanks, Bill Bice, for joining us on the show. I appreciate uh, the value uh, that you're able to bring. A couple things that uh, I took from this episode. 
is timing. Uh, and as Bill talked about, look, persistence to stay in the game. And a, a lot of what we do is up to timing. And sometimes you enter the market a little too early. Um, you might be entering it uh, late in a cycle. And so you have to wait, you know, especially in real estate, uh, in really any investing, their cycles. And so it's all about timing and being persistent. Um, he also talks about not scaling too early. I think that's really important. A lot of people have scaled rapidly and they think that it's a great thing to do, especially in a good economy where it seems so easy. We scale so early and we didn't make that blueprint like he mentioned. So make that blueprint first and, and take your time to scale. Make sure you're doing it the right way. And then the last thing is, uh, you know, invest in things that make money without you. Um, which is going to create that financial freedom that, uh, you know, we're all really looking for. So again, appreciate uh, Bill for coming on the show and uh, sharing a ton of value. Take one thing from this episode, apply it to your business, apply it to your life and, and uh, make sure it's a habit, make it a habit, uh, make it a part of your every day. I'm Todd Dexhammer. I'm signing out. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.